Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. You ready? Say, I'm ready. Who's happy to be in the house of the, of the Lord today? Who's happy to be connected to the Holy Ghost? <laughs> Listen, that, that, that place, that place where, where, where Kevin, the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That place, that place where the grace of God comes down and floods the problem that's in my life. That place, that place where all of the voices in your head are beating you up. But that place where peace surpasses all understanding, that guards your heart and your mind. The place called the storm that is overwhelming, but the overwhelming joy of God comes flooding into your life. Somebody say, I'm ready. Y'all better stop. I might get going over here. You know what I'm saying? Somebody said, preach. preach. Y'all ready? We got a lot of work to do. I'm going to let you be seated in just a second. No, no. Some of y'all turn around like, yeah. I, just can't, I, can't wait. I came here just to see you. We're in this series called Tales from the Script. Somebody say, Tales from the Script. How appropriate today. We've been looking at all these different stories. How God's goodness just floods on the scene in, in, in different people's lives throughout scripture. Like David. David was in the cave. He thought his life was over. He cried out to God and God showed up. Paul and Silas and Acts chapter 16. We looked at Paul who was in prison. He had just been beaten within an inch of his life. But at about midnight he begins to sing songs and he begins to praise God goodness of God comes on the scene. His chains fall off and Paul is free. Last week we looked at, at Peter who was in the most depressing period of his life but Jesus came and restored him and declared over his life, feed my sheep. Last week I wanted to get into Acts chapter 12 but we ran out of time in Acts chapter 3 and then Acts chapter 5 and so today, can I take you to a story about Peter in Acts chapter 12? Is that all right? Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. Is that all, is that all right? Is that all right? Because that's where I'm taking you. It's this story about Peter who's just going out and he's just telling the world about the goodness of Jesus Christ, but yet the church is being persecuted. In fact, in this story, Peter is in prison for living out loud the call that God has placed upon him. But there is something about this narrative that I've never seen before that I think we can relate to. There's something about this narrative that the early church teaches us about expectations. The expectations that we have of God. Do we expect God to do what his word says he can do? Hmm. Or let me pose that in the question form. Do you underestimate what God can do? Because sometimes, Marguerite, in the situations of life, our faith becomes deflated. Our fear becomes elevated. And then we begin to think God's not going to show up, so we make our own plan. And if God is out there, then God, I just want you to bless my plan. And we complain out loud when God doesn't show up and we call that prayer. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching to them. 
And then we wonder why our life is not going the way that we want it to go, but really we can trace it all the way back to the expectations that we have in God because we really don't expect God to do what it is that His Word says He can do. And when your expectations are pretty low, guess what happens? Life is pretty low. When you wake up and you don't expect much today out of your job, guess what? You're not going to get much out of your job. Can I show you something the Scripture says today about expectations? Can I show you? So Acts chapter 12, I'm going to read just a few verses and then we're going to let you be seated. Just, just can, can you stand up for another minute or two? Is that all right? Can I get an amen? amen. Wow. Verse 1 says it was about this time the king, king Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Somebody say the church. the church. Intending to persecute them, he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. We think it's tough to live for Jesus in our culture. When he saw that this met, was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Now, hang on a second. There's something about Peter that Herod is like, man, y'all got to keep your eyes on him. When you put 16 guards in charge of one dude, y'all better keep your eyes on this dude. There's something about this dude. If you know the history of the book of Acts, you know that in Acts chapter 5, Peter miraculously got out of prison. Herod thinks mysteriously he got out of prison. So he assigned 16 guards to watch over him because he didn't even trust the guards. Watch this dude. There's something about him. Somebody say there's something about him. Verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison. But then here's the beautiful part. But the church, everybody say the church, was earnestly praying to God for him. Oh, wow. You should circle that verse in your Bible. So the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentry stood guard at the entrance suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone into the cell he struck Peter on the side and he woke him up he said quick get up he said and the chains fell off of Peter's wrist and the angel said to him put on your clothes and your sandals and Peter did so wrap your cloak around you and follow me the angel told him Peter followed him out of the prison but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened to them for them by itself. They went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything that the Jewish people were hoping to do. Verse 12, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Somebody say praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening the door and she exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Verse 15, you're out of your mind, girl. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, then it must be an angel. But Peter kept on knocking. 
keep a knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> oh, Lord. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned to, with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, the other brothers and sisters, about this, he said, and then he left for another place. It's verses 14 and 15 I need you to grab. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she came back to the group and she said, Peter is at the door. And they said, you're out of your mind, they told her. She kept insisting that it was so. Now, now, hang on a second, because here you have the early church praying for something, praying that God would do something. God does something, but they don't believe it. Expectations. He's answered their prayer, but yet they don't believe it. Rhoda's there. Peter's knocking on the doors. Knock, 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 knock. Rhoda hears his voice. She runs in there. She says, hey, yo, Peter's here. He's here. He's here. And they're like, girl, you crazy. You better get out that cabinet. You been over there in that cabinet? I see some of y'all have that cabinet. <laughs> he's here. I'm telling you, Peter's here. And they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. They said, girl, he's not here. Peter's here. Yes, he is. He's here. And then they were astonished. They're praying that Peter would be fine. They're praying that God would rescue Peter. But yet there's still unbelief when God rescues Peter. So the question that I have for you is, have we lowered our expectations so low of God that we underestimate what God can do? Because the, the context of this story is you've got... You've got all of this difficulty happening. You've got the contrast, the, 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 the different things that are happening. The church is over here earnestly praying that Peter would be freed. And Peter is freed, but yet the church still un, has unbelief. The, the church has problems believing it. And then, and just hang with me for just one more second. And then you... you you see the contrasting story here, the context of the story. The story is you have Herod in his prison and you have the church and they're praying. You have Peter who's in prison and, and then you have the church who's, who's, who's praying freely. Hold on a second because I need somebody to get this before you sit down and here's the deal. I, I want you to grab this because this is prophetic for someone. When you feel like the door is closed to your life, you need to understand that prayer opens the gates of heaven. Because it's what Peter does in verse 7 that gives to us our title. It's the action that Peter takes because of the prayer behind Peter. Verse 7 says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and he woke him up. Quick, get up. Here's the title. You ready for the title? Quick, get up. Look at your neighbor and say, quick, get up. You better be quick and get up. No, that was too much for y'all. Y'all sit down. Y'all sit down. <laughs> All the comedians in the house. So, think about this with me here. Because the context of the story, we see that there's an action behind the prayer. They're praying earnestly for Peter. The angel of the Lord comes to Peter, taps him on the shoulder and says, quick, get up. And Peter gets up. So if, if you study scripture, you see that there's really two concepts to prayer. 
One is the, the thought of praying and waiting. The other is the thought of praying and acting. Sometimes you pray and you wait, like Paul a few weeks ago. Paul, about midnight, he's praying and he's praising God. He's been beaten within an inch of his life. There's chains on him. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. And, and he's, and he's, and he's. I'll be here all week, praise the Lord. <laughs> and, and he's, he's praising the Lord and the chains fall off. And guess what? He doesn't run. He stays there. The head jailer saved, the head jailer's family saved. Why? Because sometimes you pray and sometimes you wait. But sometimes you pray and then you act. We see prayer and action in this story. And I wonder if sometimes we have it mixed up. We're waiting when we should be going and we're going when we should be waiting. Can I get a witness? I wonder if sometimes, let me get all up in your business, we're going on the things that we want God to do for us, but we're waiting on the things that God wants to do through us. Y'all don't want me to preach up in here today. I wonder if, you know, I wonder if sometimes we're like giving God our plan and wanting him to bless our blueprint, like bless this God, this is what we want. But then we're not doing what God wants to do through us. And, and so I'm sitting here looking at this story, trying to figure out well, what is it that's happening here? Because Luke's recording the story. And then you've got the church that's over here at the house, the prayer team. They're just praying, God, free Peter. And Peter's at the door knocking. They're like, shut up, girl. He ain't out there. And it made me think, I wonder if sometimes we're praying for God to show up in a certain way. And he doesn't show up in the way that we're praying that he would show up. And so we have unbelief. They were praying that God would show up for Peter, and God did show up for Peter, but it must not have been the way that they were praying that God would show up for Peter. So I, I wrote this down. Are our earnest prayers based upon how we want God to do something? Or is our earnest prayers built upon our willingness to act upon any way he chooses? Are your prayers based upon your willingness to act? That's deep. I want you to think about it. It sounds simple, but it's really deep because I think sometimes we're praying for things to happen, but we're not including ourselves in the happening of those prayers. So here you have Peter, quick, get up. You've got the church who's over here praying, and Peter's knocking on the door. He's like, hey, it's me. Y'all been praying for me. I'm out. And Rhoda's like, I think I hear Peter. And they're like, no, you don't. I wonder how many times God has moved in our lives, but because he moves in a way that is contrary to our prayers, we miss his moving. I don't want you to miss this, though, because being focused on 14 and 15, because it's powerful that they're praying, but it's verse 5. Verse 5, it says that, look, put verse 5 up for me. Verse 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for for who? For who? 
For who? Four of y'all. For who? Him. They're praying for him. Not praying for them, praying for him. Hold, hold, hold on a second. So I'm going to take just one thought out of this verse before we move on. They're praying for him. How many of you in here, you've got like a need, like there's a need in your life and, and you need God to show up and you've been praying about it and praying over it and others have been helping you pray over it and you just got a need, you just got a need, you need God to show up. Just raise your hand. There's just a need in your life. It's all right. Everybody in here, just raise your hand. Pretty much everyone in here. The early church was no different. In fact, they probably had greater needs than us. They were being put to death for following Christ. They probably had all the rights and needs and desires to pray for themselves, but they are praying for Peter. Hold on a second. Church, we have a responsibility to pray for others. We have a responsibility to pray for others. So here's my question. Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? Because the Bible is not silent when it comes to the power of the partnership of prayer. The Bible is, speaks about it quite often. The Bible says that, that where two touch one thing and ask in prayer, it shall be done. The Bible says that one can, can pray and, and, and a thousand demons flee, but two pray and 10,000 will flee. There's power in the partnership of prayer. When the church gathers together and begins to pray, when others are praying over the same things that you're praying over because you made them aware of your needs, there's power in the partnership of prayer. So I was thinking about this. How do I, how do I illustrate this? And I remembered something. I, I'm, I'm going to do something. Camera, you follow me. I, I, I remembered something. I want to illustrate this. So I'm, I'm going to need a, if I tap you, I'm, I need your help. I need your help. Scarecrow, I need your help. I need your help. I need your, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I want to illustrate something for you. Um, Kevin, I need your help. Johnny, come on, I need your help. All right, y'all stand right here. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Obviously, you're not shy if you're wearing that outfit over here. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> stay right here. Stay right here. Stay right here. Stay right here. Um, um, I, I need somebody else. Who, who's who's willing participant? Come on, come on. Stand right beside of Johnny. I, I need I need uh, I need somebody somebody else. Come, come, come on, come on, come on, come on. All right. Stand right here beside Scarecrow, so, he, so we can take attention off of him. Um, <laughs> so here's this thought. Anybody heard of the redwood trees in California? They're the most majestic, tallest trees on, the, on this planet. They grow as high as 300 feet. 300 feet. Can I get in here right between y'all? 300 feet. Now, the thing about a redwood is the taproot on a redwood tree is only three feet deep. How in the world does a 300-foot tree Grow to be 300 feet with a three-foot taproot. Especially when trees that are like 50 foot high have a 7 to 10 to 12 foot taproot. A rose bush has a deeper taproot than three foot. It's 300 feet high and has a three-foot taproot. I begin to do some research. 
what I found was that the redwood trees, 300 foot high, with a three foot tap root, that the root system was unique. That the root system of the redwood trees would actually branch out and intertwine with other redwood trees. And they would create this infrastructure that was enormous. So how does a 300-foot tree with a three-foot tap root withstand the storm? Because when the storm comes against the redwood tree, he's not coming, the storm is not coming against just one tree. The storm is coming against the entire forest. So the entire forest has the ability to deal with. Why? Because the one tree is not standing alone. So when the wind comes and, and, and the waves come and the difficulties come, they're all together. You see, because I got you and you got me. And today you may be strong and I may be weak. And tomorrow I may be strong and you may be weak. But, to, but together we're going to be able to do this. You got me, I got you. You're going to hold on to me, I'm going to hold on to you. You're going to pray for me and I'm going to pray for you. We're going to keep doing this thing. We're going to be quick and we're going to get up. The storm may come, but we're going to make it through. Why? Because we're together. Amen. Hold on a second. Did you know that there are some redwood trees that are dead but still standing and they've been dead for years? You know how? You know why? Because the root system is so strong, they can't fall. Mm. What I'm trying to say is there have been times that I have felt your prayers. Like, you know, my mother's been in and out of the hospital. She was in the hospital this week. I felt your prayers. I feel them. What I'm trying to say is, church, we've got to be like this. We've got to be praying together. We've got to be praying with one another, for one another. That way, when the storms of life come, we have the ability to stand. We have the ability to say, quick, get up. Quick. Get up! Why y'all swaying? <laughs> y'all give him a hand. Y'all go. Put verses 6 through 10 up. I'm moving. Put verses 6 through 10 up. Verses 6 through 10. I want to show you something. So it says, The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Keep going. Seven. Suddenly an angel of the Lord came and appeared to him. Light shone into the cell, taps him on the shoulder, says, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Verse 8. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him. Verse, verse 9. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought that he was just seeing a vision. It, go back to verse 6. I want to show you something. Verse 6 Verse six says that the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping. This, this verse, this thought that Peter is asleep amazes me. Peter is about to be put to death. This is the night before his execution. But Peter is calm shows no form of anxiety. You know how sometimes your bills keep you up at night? You know how sometimes your frustrations keep you up at night? Your problems keep you up at night? The difficulties keep you up at night? He's sleeping. This is the, hold on a second. This is the same Peter that when Jesus told him, come on out and walk on the water, Matthew chapter 14, let me show you something. Matthew chapter 14, it says, but when he saw the wind, this is Peter, he was afraid and beginning to sink. When he saw the wind, you can't see wind. What you can see is the effects of wind. 
He flipped out. This is the same Peter. He's now calm and cool. But before he, he, he wigged out, you see, he's, still, he's got chains on his hands and his feet, but yet no anxiety whatsoever. He's sleeping. He's calm. He's as cool as the other side of the pillow. Know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. They get hot in your house, you flip that pillow over, and it's like, oh, I feel so cool. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. So he's just, I mean, everything's fine. He, 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 it's, this is the same. I, then this voice comes and taps Peter. Peter's just laid out, sawing Z's. I mean, just, just sawing logs. I mean, just going to sleep. And quick, get up. And Peter doesn't, it says that Peter doesn't really even know what's happening. But you know what Peter doesn't do? What Peter doesn't do, Richie, is ask for an explanation of what's, I need to know what's happening here. I need to know exactly what's going on here because, you know, there's 16 soldiers over here ready to kill me. No, he doesn't. He just gets up and he acts on the prayer that is behind him. There is this prayer that is compelling him, that is pushing him. And he begins to act. It makes me think of, of Abraham. Abraham, God came to Abraham and he said, I'm going to give you a land. So you need to get up and you need to go. And the Bible says that Abraham went even though he didn't know where he was going. I, I, I think about Noah who's building an ark because a flood is coming. But yet he doesn't even know what a flood is. I think about David who grabs five smooth stones and a slingshot. And he's going against a giant to kill him. And the giant comes out and says, boy, is that all you got? And he says, you come against me with the sword and the shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. I'm thinking about all of these things. Listen, let me tell you something. There can be a Herod in your life, insecurity in your life, problems in your life, your past, your difficulties, a lack of finances, whatever the problem may be. But when prayer is behind you, you have the ability to, for heaven to open up on your behalf. Good God Almighty, I need some help up in this place. Somebody needs to say, quick, get up. Verse 10, verse 10, verse 10, verse 10. Verse 10, I know y'all got a BLT on your mind somewhere. Verse 10, it says, So they passed the first and the second guards, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city. Hold on a second. So they passed the first and second set of guards. Now, keep in mind, when we're reading this story, we're reading this story in retrospect. So Luke is writing this story and he writes, writes it in sentence form. And so it looks as if he passes the first set of guards, the second set of guards. And when he gets to the, to the, to the gate, to the city, it just swings open wide. And it's quite possible that it happened that way. But honestly, we're reading it so fast that we just assume that it happened that way because it's just, just one sentence. But what if in Peter's mind, because remember, this is the same Peter who had some difficulty with doubt. What if like Peter sneaks by the first set of guards gets to the second set of guards and he's like you know he's looking around but then he looks up the corridor and he sees the iron gate and you know he's like now what what now anybody ever been in a what now situation like what now come on one more thing I can't take one more thing what now? We've got this iron gate that's keeping me from where it is I need to go. You know what keeps us from breaking through the iron gate in our lives? It's the lack of prayer that precedes the iron gate. You know what keeps us from getting on the other side of the iron gate? is a lack of faith. And our lack of faith directly corresponds to our lack of prayer. 
You see, the iron gate can be a lot of things for you. The iron gate can be insecurity. The iron gate can be your past. The iron gate can be the, the problems in your life. The iron gate could be your job. The iron gate could be this. The iron gate could be that. The iron gate could be a lot of different things. The iron gate could be a, a, a bad attitude. Anybody in here ever have a bad attitude? Like anybody in here like ever say some words you wish you hadn't said? You know what I mean? Like the first service I asked that, and they were like, no, Pastor Mark, we've never said anything wrong. I'm like, wait till the second service gets here. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Ooh, Lord have mercy. Some of y'all just looking at me going. I won't call anybody out, but anyway. So I'm sitting here thinking, you've got... You've got this situation playing out. Yeah, Peter, who's had all of this difficulty in his past. You got to listen. We don't like the iron gate. We don't like the gate because the gate keeps us from where we're going. But 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 I think sometimes we've forgotten that Jesus is the gatekeeper. I think we've forgotten that Jesus can tear down gates because he says, behold, I am the gatekeeper and I will build my church and, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Are, are, are you with me? So I think Peter gets to the gate and when Peter sees the gate that's there, I think Peter in his mind, he begins to think the power of God is more and I'm in this place and he's already brought me this far so he's going to take me through what is next because he didn't bring me here just to leave me here. He brought me here to take me through what is Somebody's about to get a miracle up in your life today. I'm about to prophesy over somebody the time is now the time is now the place is right here and you are the one the time is now the place is right here and you are the one God is about to bring you into something you've been praying over it you've been hoping over it you've been worried about it but God's about to bring you into something that only God can bring you into God's about to do something so miraculous in your life you see sometimes we complain about the gate but sometimes God uses the gate to bring him glory. Uh. This is the same Peter. The same Peter who denied knowing Jesus. My team, come on back. My team, y'all come on back. Thank you, Jesus, my team. Come on. <laughs> This is the same Peter who denied knowing Jesus. Think about this. This is the same Peter who almost drowned because he didn't have enough faith. This is the same Peter that fell asleep in the garden while Jesus was asking him to pray and Peter just kept falling asleep. This is the same Peter that cut off Malchus's ear when they came to arrest Peter. This is the same Peter who was depressed. This is the same Peter who was confused. This is the same Peter who went to the tomb first, but yet was also the first one to go back to an old profession. This is the same Peter who stood up and said, I'll never deny you, but denied knowing Jesus three times. This is the same Peter. But now, Peter, it says, quick, get up. And Peter begins to, to go to where it is that, that, that the Lord is leading him. He's quick to get up. He's quick to act on the prayer that is behind him. Why? Because Peter is now not reflecting on the things that went wrong in his life like he did at one time. He used to reflect on everything that went wrong. Now, Peter's not reflecting on things that went wrong. Peter is reflecting on what was right and what was 
right was that Jesus was right beside of him every time he had a difficulty in his life. Jesus was right there. Jesus was right with him. Jesus was right for him. You see, he could have been so overwhelmed by the iron gate, but instead, James, he was so overwhelmed by everything that Jesus had done for him before. Some of you right now believe that you'll never make it through the iron gate that's staring you in the face, but can I tell you something? God's about to bring you through because God's going to show you things that you've only dreamed of. Can I tell you something? Peter could have said, well, you know what? I've been overwhelmed before, but Peter was thinking when I was overwhelmed, Jesus showed up. When I was in that boat and I thought I would drown, Jesus showed up. When I didn't know what to do and I cut off the dude's ear, Jesus showed up and healed the dude's ear. Jesus has been with Jesus is with you. You think he's forgotten you? No, he hasn't forgotten you. The iron gate that's staring you in the face, Jesus, God's not up in heaven scratching his head saying, I don't know what I'm going to do with this deal. They've got me all confused. I can't figure this out. No, God's about to do something great. But here's what you've got to do. You've got to grab hold of the iron gate and begin to shake it with prayer. Are you with me? Do you hear me? You got to be quick and you got to get up. You got to be quick and you got to get up. You got to be quick and you got to get up. couple more verses and then I'm going to wind this thing down. Put verses like 12. Jump to 12. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Just jump to 17. Peter knocked on the door. Rhoda came to the door. She didn't answer the door. She ran back and said, oh, it's Peter. No, it's not Peter. You're crazy, girl. What's wrong with you? Verse 17. They opened up the door. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. Huh. Go to verse 16. Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw it was him, they were astonished. I don't think that they were astonished at the fact that they saw Peter. I think they were astonished that God answers prayers. That God answers prayers. You see, the Bible says, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Jesus said, and knock. And the door will be open unto you. You see, I think this story tells us a lot. But one thing that I, I, I want you to understand is that I don't believe God is showing us through this story that he will remove you from your reality. He can. What I really think that God is doing through this story is he's showing you that his grace can empower you so that you make it through your reality. Good Lord, have mercy. I, I, I need somebody because you're about to walk into a breakthrough that God has for you. You're not through it yet, but you're on the way through it. You may think that you're not going to make it through it, but you're going to make it through it. All I'm here to do, 
to do today is to challenge you to quick get up quick get up keep doing what you're doing keep praying and you'll make it through keep coming to church and you'll make it through keep asking others to pray with you and for you and you'll make it through keep going to meetings if you have to and you'll make it through because the promises of God are on the way the question is are you going to pray and are you going to act are you going to be quick and are you going to get up because God's about to do something great in your life so I need some people to be quick right now and get up quick right now and get up quick right now and get up quick right now and get up